So it covers the entire pelvis, which is really the most important part and makes up about 2% of your horse's entire body mass. This one muscle, this one glute. I wish my glute made up 2% of my body weight. Do you wish that? Yeah, sure. That's in right now. Nicki Minaj, Cardi B. So you're saying horses are like the Nicki Minaj of the animal world. Yes, queen. Cool. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Riding to Excellence, the Energy Equine podcast. Today, we are very excited to welcome Bridget Meyer, the equine massage therapist behind Vitality Equine who also happens to be the in-house massage therapist at Energy Equine. Hey, Bridget. Hi, guys. I'm excited to be here. So let's start start into the podcast day with filling you in a little more about Bridget and what she does. Bridget has always had a deep passion for science, anatomy, and, of course, horses. She started out her journey in equine massage by obtaining a Bachelor of Science in Biology and then became an equinology equine body worker before opening her own practice, Vitality Equine. Bridget has successfully collaborated collaborated wow struggle there all right we'll do it again bridget has successfully collaborated with energy equine on numerous cases and we love how she embraces the team approach bridget is well known for working alongside numerous vets trainers farriers and horse owners to ensure equine clients are feeling at their very best bridget's strong background in science and passion for collaboration and education are just two of the many reasons we chose to bring bridget on as an in-house massage therapist late this fall And we are very excited to work with her more and have her more readily available at the clinic in 2019. So let's just start out a little bit, Bridget, about you. Why did you choose equine massage and what brought you down this path? Well, Louisa, as most great ideas start, it all started with a gut feeling. Uh, Chad and I are similar in a way where we do kind of believe in our wishy-washy hippie ways. And there's definitely a primal connection that exists between our brain and our gut. You know, when you're talking about a gut feeling, um, if you look at your credit card statement after uh, the Christmas holidays and you feel it in your gut, that's really that kind of sinking feeling just exemplifies that sometimes you just have to listen to your gut. So when my horse, uh, Macadamia, who's now 20 years old, um, in 2013, he started experiencing back spasms. I had just completed a 25-mile competitive trail ride, and he was showing reaction to palpation along his long back muscles. So you may have seen this before, where you palpate along your horse's back, and they kind of drop and dip down, and that's the reaction to palpation he was showing. So someone suggested I look into getting some massage therapy for him, Um, And after the ride itself, before I did end up hiring a massage therapist, um, I started applying some strokes to his back. And once I started massaging him, he immediately loved them. So that's when I experienced that first gut feeling that, oh, maybe I should look more into this, not only for Mac, but for me. Um, I knew that I could combine my love for anatomy and science um, and working with people and horses Not only that, I was really interested in providing massage therapy as a preventative therapy rather than a simple uh, reactive therapy. So in my true scientist ways, I started to research all the equine massage therapy schools in Canada and the U.S., and I found Equinology based in California, and it was very much rooted in anatomy. So 
after com- after graduating from that program, I launched Vitality Equine in October of 2015 with the idea in mind that I wanted to provide preventative uh, team approach um, to equine therapy. That's awesome. I think that's great. I love that it started out with your own horse and your love for, bi- for biology, and then it kind of really took off from there. So why should horse owners consider regular massage for their horses? What are the benefits of equine massage for the equine athlete? Well, I definitely, you know, I guess I'm a little biased, but I definitely think that horse owners should consider regular massages for their horses. Um, And simply because horses are athletes, you know, our horses work so hard for us. They use their muscles and their skeletal system for us every day. Um, We ask them to make unnatural movements um, and hold that posture for uh, minutes at a time. And each time, you know, we're riding our horses, we really increase their heart rates. And I find that um, you're, we're, as we're exercising our athletes, you know, we, we ramp up their respiration. Um, they get into anaerobic metabolism, which can result in lactic acid buildup. Um, and lactic acid is kind of that soreness or tense feeling you might feel after uh, you work out or go to the gym. Our horses can experience the same kind of feeling because they are also athletes. So, um, massage therapy really helps work out stiff muscles in horses. Um, especially if you are a performance athlete, like I know that most energy equine athletes are, um, equine massage, um, generally speaking, encourages circulation and biomechanically breaks apart um, any cross bridges that form between the myosin and actin. So it's kind of hard for me to explain all of um, my science without visuals, but if you picture a muscle like a bunch of long pieces of spaghetti, um, that's kind of what our muscle fibers are made up of, tiny, tiny little filaments. And what can happen is that little bridges can form um, perpendicular to those filaments, and that's what causes a knot. So massage, quite simply, just biomechanically removes those little knots between the spaghetti, and which helps reduce lactic acid buildup as well. So when you're able to remove these cross bridges that form in your muscles, um, you're able to give your athlete more range of motion, um, which in turn helps them prevent injury and reduces fatigue. And I mean, not only that, it's nice in a massage, you know, when we get massages, we feel pretty relaxed. And so there's also great benefits for the limbic and emotional system as well. I mean, how good do you feel after you get a massage? So why not give the same to our horses? Totally. So I'm actually going to throw a question on you now that we Mm. didn't pre-talk about um, because I was just thinking of it. Obviously, we have um, an equine chiropractor at our practice, Dr. Kassara Toth. Kasara, I always say her name wrong, I'm awful. Um, and she's a very talented Cairo. And you guys work together with a lot of your clients. So talk about uh, the relationship between Cairo and massage and how it helps the other. Yes, great question. Yeah, my girl, uh, Kasara, Dr. Toth, she is an amazing equine chiropractor. And I love working with her. We share many mutual clients. And it's really exciting to bring together the muscular system with the skeletal system. It obviously goes hand in hand. Muscles move the bones um, and, you know, are able, 
muscles are what provide joint flexion or extension. So what can happen in a horse is let's say, um, let's say Mac will go back to my trusty 20 year old Arab. Let's say Mac is, um, standing in a field and he keeps leaning on his right shoulder and for 23 hours a day, he's leaning on his right shoulder. But when I bring him into massage and, and to ride him, sorry, not to massage him, to ride him, I bring him in to ride him and I'm really on, you know, his right shoulder to make sure he doesn't drop it. I'm, you know, I'm asking for lateral movements. I'm engaging his thorax and his sternum. But then he goes back into the field and he he continues to lean on that right shoulder. So I can... I can do as much soft tissue work as possible, but um, where skeletal kind of, um, I guess, restrictions occur is from ongoing um, postural preferences. So there's many examples. I'm not saying this is the only one, but this that would be a prime case where uh, Dr. Toth um, could come in and help realign anything that's misaligned. Um, and then I can come in afterwards and more readily apply soft tissue body work. The same um, is true in the reverse though, um, where occasionally Dr. Toth and I will talk and I will massage um, one of the horses before she works on them because that horse is so restricted or so um, quote unquote misaligned um, that that horse needs some more soft tissue therapy before Dr. Toth can actually get in deep enough. So it, it really is kind of individualized horse by horse in terms of the order, but working together is really beneficial for the athlete. And myself and I know you guys, Energy Equine, you really um, promote and encourage the team approach. And it's exactly that kind of team approach that can, um, that can you know, bring your health and wellness of your athlete way higher. Totally. Just bring it to the next level. Yep. So what is the most rewarding aspect of your career as an equine massage therapist? Uh, you know, at first I was like, oh, I don't know what to choose. There's so many things, but <laughs> everything it, is rewarding. Everything, you know, freezing my toes off in, in the Calgary barns in January. That's probably my favorite. No, I'm kidding. I'd say that's easy. I think making horses happy is my favorite and like most rewarding aspect of my career uh, you know by making the horses happy you also make the owners happy and you know contributing to the health and wellness of our horse athletes through pain relief comfort and healing is really something I mean magical you know not every session is the same every horse responds differently to massage um, and I love being able to evaluate how that horse is feeling like you know like every horse person knows that horses have feelings and they have weight you know we have we have the the classic uh, red chestnut mare who's very expressive and she'll let you know exactly you know what she doesn't like and maybe she'll show you you know a little bit of um, of a release when she appreciates something or we have you know like um, a 15 year old Clydesdale cross who's just you know, leaning back into every stroke and show, you know, being his, his large joyous self, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's those little nuances in give in giving back to our horses that are also different. And then 
Um, yeah, and then being able to read them individually from session to session. Totally. That's awesome. Uh, I know, I don't know if it was one of the early podcasts, but Chad and I talked about his passion, and he said the same thing. It was to make horses feel better. So mm. totally cool that you guys are aligned. Makes sense because you work with us, and we have so many great we're both uh, hippies. Yeah, you guys are both hippies. Peace and love. Yeah, definitely hippies. And we do have a lot of other great equine massage therapists that work alongside Energy Equine, too. And we just really love the team approach and making sure that clients can come in and bring their whole crew and make sure their horse is feeling at their very best. So let's shift gears a little to the subject of this podcast. Uh, Bridget is obviously, um, you've already heard her kind of go all sciencey on you. She's a fantastic resource when it comes to equine anatomy. And her work through Vitality Equine inspired us to create a series within the podcast that highlights the benefits of equine massage and really delves into that exciting anatomy. Um, And she's probably kind of one of the best people that can deliver it for us. So each episode in this series will focus on specific musculoskeletal functions. It's a big word for me to say. Uh, And today our focus is going to be on hip extensors. So kind of exciting hip extension. So Bridget, walk us through it. What is hip extension? All right, so this is where, like, I'm now I'm starting to feel more comfortable in the podcast. <laughs> I'm about to get real. I'm going to try and not just speak in Latin terms because it's kind of really hard to talk about anatomy without a visual. Like, I can't even palpate a horse. I can't show you millions of pictures of horse skeletons and horse muscles. So I'm going to try and paint a picture as best as I can. So hip extension, simple you know, in the simplest terms is, is retraction of the hind limb. Yeah. You're like, really Bridget? That's the simplest you could go. Retraction. Yeah. It's a word I use every day, quite colloquially. So retraction just means bringing the hind limb back. So, um, if you picture a horse, let's, you know, like, Let's fly away into uh, into a horse racetrack and imagine, you know, horses galloping down the track. And when you see their hind limbs fling behind them, that's um, as a result of hip extension. So it's when they have their hind limbs going back. So every stride that every horse takes in like so global you know we're talking on a huge level here but every stride that every horse takes you have um uh at any gate sorry so at the walk the trot the canter the gallop you'll have um a horse's limb um being planted into the ground and then kind of uh as that horse continues to move forward you'll have that breakover and that hind limb will swing i'm literally doing the motions with my hands right now because i can't just use my words that's okay on the last <laughs> podcast where we talked about uh injections chad was using all sorts of big words and using his hands and i just let him roll because that's how you have to communicate right Oh my goodness. Anyways. You're doing great. So apparently I'm an Italian somewhere. <laughs> somewhere <laughs> down the line. <laughs> but so it's retraction of the hind limb. So uh, the muscles that are responsible for extending that hip and bringing that hind limb backwards are collectively, collectively they form the largest and most powerful muscle groups in your horse's body. Wow. Yeah. Um, it is these muscles that drive the body forward. 
and which doesn't you know and I just I just explained that hip extension is when the hind limb comes back so you're like well why does it drive it forward and you kind of have to think of your horse's hind limb as um as providing your horse with that propulsive energy so I'm sure you've heard this all before either from your trainer or from other um, equestrians but as soon as your horse you know brings their hind limb back it's the kinetic energy and a propulsive force that snaps the you know the hind limb back forward to bring that hind limb underneath themselves and provide that flexion and that kind of rounding of the back that you like to see when you are riding in a collected way. Mm -hmm. So what are the main hip extensors in a horse? Yes. So there's a couple, not too many, Um, but they're all really, really big. So um, I'm going to talk about two and three-fourths of them. Uh, one, the first one I'll, ta- I'll briefly touch on is the middle gluteal, also known as the gluteus medius. I can't help but use Latin. And that's like that cute little peach part on your horse's bum. It's, it's essentially your horse's bum. It's on either side of their sacrum. It's when someone looks at a quarter horse and is like, whoa, I could drop a dime on that or I don't know what the expression is but like when someone sees a nice butt that's the that's the muscle I'm talking about and the middle gluteal is the most efficient extensor so it sits on your horse's pelvis um and it contributes to that spring forward motion of the hind limb um it's important to note that it also sits over the sacrosciatic ligament um which is a large sheet of connective tissue um, that kind of completes the lateral wall of your pelvis. So on on either side of your horse's pelvis, within all of the muscle, there is a, a big sheet of connective tissue that starts on the lateral wall of the sacrum and goes down to like the beginning of your horse's tail. So I did just want to mention it there real quick because I want to touch on it later. Um, but the middle gluteal, it, yeah, it starts actually on your horse's lower back and then goes all the way to your horse's femur. So if you can picture that, it spans quite a big chunk on your horse and it starts all the way in the lower back in the lumbar region and inserts on the strong tendon of the greater trochanter on your horse's femur. So it covers the entire pelvis, which is really the most important part and makes up about 2% of your horse's entire body mass. This one muscle, this one glute. I wish my glute (laughs) made up 2% of my body weight. Do you wish that? Yeah, sure. That's in right now. Nicki Minaj, Cardi B. So you're saying horses are like the Nicki Minaj of the animal world? Yes, queen. Cool. Oh, that's Cardi. (laughs) I'm getting them confused. You're getting them confused. I hope only millennials listen to podcasts. Probably. I don't. Well, I don't know. Comment. Comment if you didn't understand the the vocal (laughs) reference that Bridget just made below, please. (laughs) 
um, comment if you want me to do the next podcast in a Cardi B accent. I don't know. That would be insane. <laughs> double tap. <laughs> yeah, double tap on our Instagram account if you want Bridget to talk about another musculoskeletal function in the Cardi B accent. And if you want Louisa to say musculoskeletal again. I can't. It's so hard. It's such a hard word. Okay. So, so that was one muscle. And then I'm going to talk about the hamstrings too. So we have our glutes that help in hip extension, but we also have the hamstrings. So the hamstrings on your muscle are if you, if you, look, a, if you look at a horse from behind and you see their tail, Cool. Okay. I feel like I'm really painting a picture. And then on either side, you see like these long sausagey type muscles. Those are um, their hamstrings. So you'll you're probably seeing some of semimembranosis and semitendinosis because they're right beside each other. And what's important to note with these ones is instead of the glute that's traveling from the lower back to the femur. Uh, these start on the caudal vertebrae, so um, near the top of your horse's tail, and insert on the femur as well. So um, they're huge, big. big they're muscles. really long. They're really yeah. long. Not only that, I'm really trying to simplify this because I mean. I don't, for any body workers or veterinarians listening out there, I know that it inserts on the medial epicondyle of the femur, but it does, it's just not relevant. Anyways. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but the semitendinosis, which is, those are the two kind of hamstrings I'm addressing here, um, also adjoins to the biceps femoris tendon. And why that's important is that it actually, um, that muscle actually ends on the top of the hock. So your hamstring muscles cover three joints, hip joint, um, stifle joint, and hock. So uh, I'll get, I'll touch on it a little bit later, but that's important to note when thinking about um, training and injury prevention is that these muscles are so big, they cover three joints, which typically most, you know, muscles don't. So, um, so yeah, your horse has three hamstrings. Those are the two of them that you can see when you look um, from b- behind your horse. And then the other one um, I mentioned briefly is called the biceps femoris. And that's kind of the one that you'd picture between the mid glute that we already talked about and then those um, at the hind end. And this one's really big. It has multiple portions to it. Some describe three compartments of it some describe four um, because it's so large and each compartment kind of has a slightly different function um, it's been defined so many ways but um, the important part to know with this one is that it far it starts as far cranially as the SI joint um, and goes all the way down to the femur um, over the patella and um blends in with some of the cruel fascia, which is a deep fascia within your horse's hind limb. Um, and then again, goes to the, um, calci- the, I'll just say point of the hawk. So it'll just go to the point of the hawk as well. So again, another long one that starts, you know, from SI and goes all the way to the hawk. And then our other two hamstrings start, um, you know, at the tail and go all the way to the hawk. So there's some pretty big movers, and shakers when it comes to hip extension. Totally. 
So obviously with such a big area that those hip extensors are covering, um, I imagine that there's pretty common injuries. So what are those common injuries to the area? Yes, there are many common injuries to this area. And I think it starts from, you know, one, we briefly touched on that the hamstring covers three joint spaces. So, um, so there's just so much movement that the ham, that that muscle is involved in. So, um, some injuries, I guess, can occur from many different things, but I think what would be useful for you is if you're noticing, if you're riding your horse and if you notice, um, that I'm trying to, I'm kind of thinking out loud here, trying to figure out the best way to explain this. So I guess here are some tips and tricks of how to tell if your horse's hamstrings or glutes might be sore. So one, you can do the simple, you know, test of when you are brushing your horse and if you palpate along their hind limb and they're reacting to palpation. So if they're, um, if their muscle feels really tight or is kind of jerky, um, then, you know, there might be some tension in there. Um, but what you'll probably notice first is maybe some lower back um, spasming or tension. I briefly mentioned that sacrosciatic ligament and it covers like within the pelvis, um, but then also um, connects to the lower back. So a lot of the time, and I know Dr. Toth and Dr. Hewlett do mention this even in their own work when they palpate a horse's lower back or glute area it can be reflective of of something going on further down in terms of uh, within the stifle or hawk which does involve hamstrings so um, if the muscle is tight um, if the glutes or hamstrings are tight um, the pelvis may present itself kind of in an inverted extended position. So like if you picture your horse in collection and your horse's pelvis nicely tucked underneath themselves, um, if the hamstrings are tight, sometimes it's the opposite kind of look. Um, and, and then so you might feel some of that tension within the back too. The other, sec- the other thing to look for is um, the your horse's hind limb uh, protraction may look shorter, so they might have like a shorter stride. So if you picture, it's easiest to picture with the with the semitendinosus and semimembranosus, those ones that I described on either side of your horse's tail. If you if you picture those muscles, those little spaghetti fibers, and if you start you know crunching the spaghetti together. Um, and creating tightness, and if that tightness can't relax again, then it inherently shifts the way that your horse's hip and pelvis is sitting. And even though it's a muscle responsible for bringing your hind limb backwards, it can shorten how far forward it can go if that muscle can't stretch out and stretch forward, if that makes sense. Um, So yeah, horses might find it a little more difficult to lower their hind end for collected movements. Um, 
you know, which include, you know, a horse starting out of a gate or, or taking a jump, um, they might show some shortened cranial phases there. So um, I find that those are the common injuries that I see, I guess. I mean, obviously I see tightness, but it, it kind of comes from stiffness and a shortness in stride. Um, and I find that typically these result from um, perhaps overtraining, um, muscular tightness as I, as I defined, or maybe incorrect training. Um, if you see a horse who has really, really large hamstrings and no glute muscles and are kind of holding themselves in an inverted posture and they don't really bring their hind limb underneath themselves or they're not tracking up as well, then I find that that results from, you know, overuse of the hamstring and not really, you know, using its hind end as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So... What can a horse owner do to prevent injury to the hip extensors? Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot that a horse can do to help prevent injury and help prevent stiffness. Um, Number one, I would say, is is making sure you're cooling down your horses for a good amount of time. I recommend anywhere from at least 15 to 20 minutes, especially for performance athletes. You need that long um, cool down, even if it's boring uh, and you're just walking around um, in order to really make sure that no muscle fibers remain contracted so that you can reduce any stiffness in, you know, the following day. So cool... And as you already know, I mean, the hamstring muscles are so big and so is that middle glute. So if you just, you you know, work them for 45 minutes and then, you know, stick them out uh, in the pasture or in their paddock uh, without having um, a substantial cool down, the next day, that's probably where you might notice some uh, reactivity to palpation or even, you know, shortness in stride. It might not happen every time, but over time, if you're not cooling down uh, your horse's hamstrings enough, then uh, you can really start seeing some of that muscular tightness and tactile defensiveness that they have uh, upon palpation. So, um, so cooling down. And then I think the second thing I would, I would recommend, which I unfortunately can't really share over the podcast, is stretching your horse's hamstrings. There's a couple really, really great stretches that help um, promote flexibility, just like when people do yoga or stretch their muscles after they they work out. They are essentially extend, quote unquote, I'm saying quote unquote because you can't really extend a muscle, but you're extending your muscles to help uh, provide more circulation and more blood flow to those areas so that there is no buildup in adhesions or not. So stretching definitely is essential to promoting flexibility and to preventing injury as well. Uh, and that kind of ties into my third tip to prevent injuries, um, would be preventative massage therapy. (laughs) What up? (laughs) We know someone that does that. (laughs) 
I know someone who can quote you uh, Cardi B while showing you. While showing you hip extensor stretches. Yes, yes. So um, I definitely, um, you know, like small plug, I definitely, uh, I mean, we all believe in a team approach to wellness. And I got into massage therapy to be able to provide preventative therapy for horses. You know, like it was a little... You know, it's unnerving when you have a horse that is experiencing uh, spasming or muscle tension when that could have been prevented from day one. Um, And, you know, your body worker uh, or your equine massage therapist can provide stretches for you individualized to your horse to help them feeling their best. And then especially with these hip extensors, they're such large muscles um, stretches for those muscles are essential, I would say, across any discipline, for totally. sure. So thinking discipline specific when you're working on your client horses, which equine athletes do you notice with more tension or pain in the hip extensors? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say I can't choose just one, but definitely in cow horse cutting horse athletes. Uh, so they spend a lot of their time on their hind end with, yes, with their joints um, flexed and maybe, and their hips flexed. But in order to, you know, if we envision a cutting horse um, sprinting from one side of the pen to the other one following uh, a steer, that propulsive force to get to the other side is entirely, you know, hamstring and glute hip extensor based. You know, that propulsive force doesn't come from the from the quads, but rather from those hip extensors. And if you picture, you know, a cutting horse uh, doing a rollback on one hind limb, that also requires a lot of hip extensor strength. Uh, you definitely would see... Um, a lot of hip extensor usage in show jumping athletes. Um, that one's kind of obvious to see as in terms of their takeoff before a jump. Uh, that's That involves quite a lot of hip extension. And yeah, and then definitely, you know, within the dressage athlete as well. Yeah, totally. So we covered a lot today. We got a lot done, I feel like. So let's do a quick little rundown. Hip extension is what? Hip extension is when your horse's hind limb moves backwards. Yeah. And so... I feel we, like I'm being quizzed. I know. We, <laughs> learned, we learned a lot today about the different hip extensors in a horse. Let's see if I remember. So we got the hamstrings. Yes. The medial gluteal? The yes. glute? It is yes. the medial though? Yeah. Okay. Oh no, now I'm blanking because I questioned myself on the second one. The third one is... Hamstrings, glute. That's it. That's oh, because there was there was different hamstrings. Mm-hmm. Trick question. Yeah, but we also learned that they are very large muscles in the hind end of a horse. That it's the Nicki Minaj of the animal world is right in that area of the horse. So common injuries. There are injuries that are common, and what I learned today, what well, I guess I knew but had never put two and two together, is that it touches three joints. Correct: the pelvis, the hock, and stifle. Yep. If pelvis was a joint, oh, it would be the pelvis. Oh, no. Hip. Hip. The hip oh, joint. Oh, hip. Right. The hip joint. Which is part of the pelvis. Which is part of the pelvis. Okay, cool. No, this is good. There we go. So I did not know that, that those, the hip extensors touch those three joint areas. So that is interesting and makes sense why you'd see a lot of injury. 
And a horse owner, to prevent injury to the hip extensors, can can make sure they're really cooling down their equine athletes, can do some specific stretches that uh, their body worker and or veterinarian has given to them, and can utilize equine massage in their daily program. That's it. That's pretty cool. I thought it was good. I thought you did really good. Thanks. I was nervous. Uh, were you nervous? Yes. I know. She didn't look at me for like the first 30 minutes of this podcast. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't describe this without my hands or without pictures. No, you did good. I thought you did very good. Um, so then, now to put you on the spot again, we named the podcast Riding to Excellence um, because Chad, it's a, Chad believes that uh, we can always work towards... Um, doing our very best, excelling in our different spheres, and we're, we're never going to obtain perfection, but we can certainly try to obtain excellence. So what does excellence mean to you? Dang, good question. Good question. I know I didn't even let you think about this one. I just thought of it at the end here. Oof. Um, I kind of like, I like, I've decided I like being put on the spot. It's easier. Future podcasts. Yeah, okay, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, excellence to me. Well, I'd say, you know, hmm, I would argue that excellence to me is, is never, oh, this is such a like rigid response. Once I say this, you're going to laugh at me, but it's never attainable. So it's something you're always striving for Mm -hmm. you know and I think that that's what the fact that it is you know that you can't you know I mean I guess you can let's just roll with it you can't really reach it means that you're always working on it you know so it's important just like within you know within equine massage um or within any profession that you're in or whatever discipline you're in that, you know, you keep learning or you keep, um, you keep adding to your toolbox because excellence, you know, excellence is just something that, that you, I mean, I guess you can achieve it now. I don't know. I guess you can achieve excellence. Well, like maybe I don't know. I just like look at excellence as like something, something that's strive, impossible and strive towards. Yeah, and strive towards you and become excellence because excellent because you're striving towards it. Yeah, exactly. Like so, always a goal to how work do you towards. strive towards excellence at equine massage? I think I do that through, um, through, through two things. One, through listening to my clients and to my horses I think that it's easy within my profession and maybe other professions too to kind of get a little bit like okay I'm going to um, come in do a massage I'm going to work the hip extensors I'm going to work the shoulders and then bing bang boom but it's not you know that that's not how it works at all I think excellence how I strive for excellence is by reading my horse and figuring out what they like and determine what areas need to be addressed. And then, and then on the, on the more professional side would be to continue learning, you know, like 
the day you stop learning or the day you think you know it all is, you know, is the day that you've become dumb. I don't know. It's just for, <laughs> which is aggressive, but it's like, you know, you think about yourself when you were 18 and you're like, oh, I knew everything. And then, and then now you're 29 and you're feeling fine. And, but I know that when I'm 50, I'm going to be like, oh, I didn't know a single thing then. So I think continuing to learn and to grow um, while listening to your horses is how I strive for excellence within personally and within my business. That's a great answer. You did good on the spot. So if uh, the general public that's listening want to um, follow you or get to know you a little bit better, how do they find out some information about you? Mm, They could visit www.vitalityequine.com. They could also hit up Vitality Equine on Facebook or my personal favorite social media outlet, Instagram. Type Bridget's in. a big grammar. Yeah, I got the stories. She's good on the stories. If you're one of her clients, you're, you're on the gram with her a lot. Yep. You know, you'll see me, my truck, my dog, all the horses, the coffee I drink. I was going to say the coffee <laughs> in the mornings. The healthy snacks. Yeah. The not so healthy snacks. But yeah, that's how you can get a hold of me. Cool. Um, so as I said at the beginning of the podcast, Bridget is uh, in late fall. She came on board as one of our consultants that we bring in a little bit more regularly um, as our in-house massage therapist. In the new year, uh, kind of look for some Holland days where Bridget will be available. And of course, uh, if you're working with Dr. Toth with Cairo, you can always kind of double up and work with both of them and really get the added effects of using massage and Cairo at different points throughout the six to eight eight week cycle of your equine athlete all right Bridget I think we've covered everything I do not know what we're going to talk about next time or when it's going to come out but I bet it's going to be exciting and I bet it's going to be nerdy yep it's going to be nerdy I'm going to feel way more comfortable it's going to be a little more outrageous for sure oh okay I cannot wait I hope that you all listen comment below if you liked it as always we're definitely looking um, to talk about and talk with uh, talk about topics that you guys want to hear about and talk with people that you want to hear from so if you have any ideas for us if you have any people you'd love for us to have on the podcast please don't hesitate to dm us on our facebook account at energy equine send us a message on our instagram or shoot the office an email at eeoffice at energyequine.ca all right thanks so much for listening guys we'll see you next time